So hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday night. Week after week, you have been faithful and joining your brother. And I have been praying for God to give me a word that is going to touch your soul. Can I get everybody to hit the high note? Your soul. We're talking about Soul Care 101 on tonight because I can't make healthy, holistic choices if I'm sick in my soul. I think it is going to be absolutely powerful on tonight. Tag somebody. Tag them. Tag us. Take your screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world. Sweden, I see you. Thank you for representing your whole group, your whole Bible study coming together, joining us. There's so many people all around the world who this particular series is blessing you, and that encourages me. And I'm just excited that God is using me as a vessel to give a word that is going to impact your life. So I have so much to share with you on tonight and little time to do it. So if you could, Daniel chapter 6. One girl, you had like two Bibles next to you. I said, she's saved. She got, she got the laptop. She got the iPad. She got the NIV and the New King James. Yeah, so Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 is where we're going to launch our reading. Just a little backdrop of what we're talking about on tonight. Uh, Daniel was a man who had an excellent spirit. And there were some other people in leadership who could not stand Daniel because Daniel just had favor in everything he did. And so they were like, the only way we could trap Daniel is if it has to do something with his God, something to do with his prayer life. So they got together and conjured up this plan to get the king to make a decree that no one could pray to any other God but him. And so they just tried to manipulate the system where they can get Daniel caught up. So this is kind of where we're hopping in um, this particular story. They were trying to trap Daniel. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days the the power in this text the power in this text that I would like to abstract and dissect with you for the time that we have together on tonight takes residence in the latter part of this biblical narrative where the text informs us that he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to his God which was his custom since early days question that I'm going to ask you all throughout this sermonic journey on tonight is when was the last time your soul went to the doctor? When was the last time your soul went to the doctor? God, we're ready. We are expecting you to move in this moment, oh God. All this study means nothing if you are magnified and if you aren't glorified. And like I pray in private, I'm also praying in public. God, please use me as your oracle, as your spokesman, as the PA system, the soundtrack of heaven. And give us the wisdom so we could win and be healthy in our soul and not just by what we post. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop amen in the room? Amen. Daniel knelt, kneeled on his knees three times that day and prayed 
and gave thanks to his God, which was his custom since early days. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, what we are seeing here in the text is that Daniel has this routine. Daniel has this, this system, this, this pattern, this cadence, this spiritual regiment, if you will, of him consistently and intentionally making sure that he has allotted time and space throughout his day and his days so that him and the Lord could be intimate. This was not a non-negotiable for Daniel. I'm going to make sure God is not just, I don't just fit him in my schedule. He is my schedule. I'm going to make sure that there is time allotted throughout the day where me and the Lord get it in. Can I get somebody to say intimacy? So he didn't start praying when he heard the bad news. Daniel had this type of posture. Listen, this is something I had already in place before I got any news. Daniel was the type of man, I'm going to worship if I hear bad news, and I'm still going to worship if I get good news. I'm going to worship in a storm, and I'm going to worship through the sunshine. I'm going to worship him when I'm okay, and I'm going to worship him when I'm not feeling okay. I'm going to worship him at the mountaintop, and I'm also going to worship him in the valley. And I think we could just ask ourselves this question from looking at Daniel's life. Why does it take for something to happen? Why does it take for something to happen to cause us to develop this spiritual regiment? Daniel said, listen, intimacy with the Lord, that's just something I do. Worship, that's just something I do. Because continued intimacy by default causes for our soul to get a physical. Did y'all hear what I just said? Continued intimacy by default just causes for our soul to have a physical. Let's break it down. When I was in high school and in college, before I could ever participate and even join a team, before I could even try out, y'all, I'm thinking this would make sense after I make the team. But the athletic department had this rules and this regulation in their system that you cannot even try out until you have first had a physical. You can't even try out for our team until you first have received a physical. I'm gonna tell you how one coach told me. A coach said, Mr. Flowers, you look like everything is okay, but I'd rather, I'd rather have a second opinion concerning your health. Because to the naked eye, I can't see if there are any internal issues that need medication. From the naked eye, I can't see if there are any internal issues within your soul. From the naked eye, I can't see if there are any internal issues that need therapy. I can't see if there are any internal compromised complexities that will be revealed in the playoffs that will be revealed from a hard practice, that will be revealed from stress, that will be revealed as punishment because y'all didn't play the way I want you to play, now y'all have to run three or four miles. That will be revealed when you experience hardship. Let's modernize this. I can't see just by looking at you how you will respond when there is a pandemic. I don't know what a pandemic will reveal. I don't know what trials will reveal. I don't know what temptations will reveal. Why y'all looking at me like that? I don't know what a breakup will reveal. I don't know what rejection will reveal. I don't know what success will reveal. I don't know what problems will reveal. I don't know what pain will reveal in your heart. Because what is your pain response? 
Everybody under the sound of my voice, if you have oxygen in your lungs, in this life, you will experience pain. This is why I did a whole segment in the Cuffing Season series entitled, How Do I Handle Pain? Because you will experience pain. And if you want to be loved, anytime you open yourself up for love, you're also opening yourself up to be hurt. What is your pain response? Some of us try to drink it out, sex it out, club it out. Smoke it out. Your last two marriages were a pain escape attempt. (laughs) Your last two relationships, it's possible that they were a pain bail bond from loneliness. Because I'm just trying to get out of this. But those were just false temporary fixes. And if I could be honest, I don't know if you discovered this, but many times temporary fixes actually multiply the original problem. And, and, and this, this unaddressed, undiagnosed, untreated area will cause us to look for healers versus advancers. This is how you get so clingy with people and that breakup hurts so much because he was supposed to heal me. They were supposed to heal what happened to me three years ago. God wants us to find people who help us advance in purpose and advance in identity and advance in your assignment. And if we don't handle this correctly, we'll be infected by what I like to call reversed healer confusion. Reversed healer confusion. The disorder of where I'm trying to heal in others was really broken in me. Which is how we have comedians who suffer from depression and marriage counselors who get divorced. Because I'm trying to heal in you what's really broken in myself. (laughs) When was the last time your soul has gone to the doctor? And I'm going to be just like my coach was. I'm standing here before you all taking on the nature of a coach. And I'm just telling you, look, you look good by what you post. And your smile that you post online and on IG, you look happy. Y'all look cute together. But I'd rather a second opinion. (laughs) I'd rather a second opinion in the area of your health because I can't see what's going on in your soul. Let's speak around this thought from this subject for the time that we have together for part four of this Dear 2020 series, Soul Care 101. Soul Care 101. Thursday is going to be Soul Care 102, but tonight let's just deal with Soul Care 101. And if you don't normally do it, tonight I want you to participate. I stated before, I don't know if you speak the word of God over yourself. I don't know if you have confessions over yourself. But every single time you watch me, every single time you listen via the podcast, I'm going to give you a confession to speak over your life. So are y'all ready? Get your trigger fingers ready. Are y'all ready? I want you to drop in the comment section in all caps, God, help me win within so that I can go from enduring to enjoying. Somebody claim that over your life. It's not about winning out there. God, help me win within so that I could go from enduring to enjoying. Church family, tonight as we begin this conversation and this sermonic journey, what I'm about to articulate to you might be education to some, but it's just a reminder to others. One of the most expensive, one of the most expensive, valuable, and vital vital possessions that you have and I have is your peace. 
Listen to me. Peace is a kingdom exclusive. One of the most expensive, valuable, and vital possessions that you have and I have is my peace. All it takes is for us to make one unwise choice. Can I get somebody to say one? One unwise choice. Yet alone, if we make unwise choice after unwise choice after unwise choice after unwise choice. I'm not judging. I've been there too. Unwise choice after unwise choice. All it takes is for one unhealthy relationship. Can somebody say one? All it takes is for one unhealthy relationship for you to discover how valuable your peace really is. <laughs> and I can't speak for anybody else, but I've arrived to this place where I rather kingdom exclusives than physical upgrades. I thought I wanted you, but baby, peace is better than your company. I thought I wanted that position, but you narcissistic boss, peace is better than more money. Because I've discovered that peace is more valuable. It is a kingdom exclusive. What does that mean? Peace is an exclusive for those who exclusively live for the kingdom. Peace is a kingdom exclusive. I'm going to give you Bible to prove it. All right? You want me to prove it? Let's prove it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at, what's that word? Peace with him. So this peace is tied to me pleasing the Lord. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, but there's a connection whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm going to flood you with these scriptures. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Psalms 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing but in prayer, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Peace is a kingdom exclusive. This is so powerful because right here, just in Philippians chapter 4, it's saying, listen, I'm not saying that peace is always going to be around you. What I am saying is peace is always going to be in you. This is why it surpasses your understanding because you're trying to understand how is it I still have peace in the midst of a global crisis? How is it I still have peace in a pandemic? How is it I still have peace and they walked out on me? How is it I still have peace and they're bad-mouthing me? How is it I still have peace and I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent? How is it I still have peace and I have a rebellious teenager? How do I still have peace? And I like to say it this way, peace that surpasses your understanding will have you tripping over the the fact that you ain't tripping. 
Girl, I should be tripping, but I don't know why I'm not tripping. Yeah, it is messed up what he did. But for some strange reason, I got peace. Yeah, Shorty was foul because women do it too. Shorty was foul by what she did. She got caught up, so caught up. She got caught up, but I still have peace. I'm not even tripping over that. I just kind of have this posture that what God has for me is for me. And God gives me favor with people who matter. So if they left, they must not matter to my destiny. If they walked out, they must not matter to my destiny because I have peace that surpasses my understanding in my finite mind I don't even understand why I'm not tripping because peace is a kingdom exclusive it is for those who exclusively live for the kingdom and listen protecting that peace is a form of soul care did you hear what I just said protecting that peace is a form of soul care. If you know every single time she calls, she's going to disturb your peace. It's not you being rude by ignoring and not answering. That's you taking investment in your soul care. She always brings negative energy. And I don't want to have that energy in my day. This is the day the Lord has made. She interferes with this day. So I'm not going to entertain that drama. That's not you being mean or you being cruel. That's you protecting your peace, which is a form of soul care. Them inviting you to the Christmas party. You know everybody going to get drunk. There's something in that eggnog that got everybody walking a little funny. There's something in that drink that has everybody walking a little different. Just because they're your family. Here we go. Just because they're your family. That does not mean I have to go over there if it disturbs my peace. Because protecting your peace is a form of soul care. And I think we have to get to this place where I care more about the peace in my heart and in my soul than your applause and pleasing you. Listen, y'all, this is how sermons have gone ineffective. Because we have preachers, bishops, apostles, and every other title you could think of. They all preach things like you're going to get a house and you're going to get a car. And if you just sow a seed and if you just give this, you're going to have a financial breakthrough. It's going to be on the way. Somebody shout like you lost your... All that dude's doing is preaching hype. Because <laughs> there's somebody watching that who's wealthy and they're like, bro, I got three houses. I got one in New York, one in L.A., and one in Islands. There's a woman watching this like, listen, I'm a boss. I'm a CEO. I have four or five cars. I, I don't need to hear about I get a bigger house and a bigger car. I just want to be able to sleep. Can I talk? I, I, I just, I just want to be able to sleep at night. I have the possessions, but I don't have the peace. A lot of us think that more possessions mean more peace. And I wish there was somebody wealthy who could tell you, I have a lot of things. I have vanity rooms and theater rooms, but I still don't have peace. I don't have peace. You would be amazed at how many people proclaim to be followers of Jesus but have no peace. External accolades, no peace. Notoriety, position, no peace. New car, miserable. New house, miserable. Married with children, miserable. Have a huge bed, can't find sleep in it. Instead of them sleeping for eight hours, they're looking at the ceiling for eight hours trying to fall asleep. Listen, peace will make a rich man jealous. <laughs> peace will have a dude in his penthouse 
looking down at you and your apartment, jealous at you because he wish he had what you had. You up there looking like, man, bro, if I had all the stuff you had. And he's like, listen, this stuff don't matter to me because you can sleep in seconds. I need substances to help me fall asleep. I need alcohol to help me fall asleep. I'm looking for peace. I need peace. It's not about what I can get. And if some of them were to tell the truth, I had to sell my peace to get these possessions. And if it was possible, I would take that receipt back and say, I'd rather peace. I'd rather peace. Please listen to me, guys. Please, please listen. Please listen. This is how people arrive to this place where they begin to ask the question, if Jesus truly is the Prince of Peace, why don't I have none? This is so good. And this is how we have people who walk away from the faith and who will think other spiritual leaders and people like myself and pastors like myself would think we're just up here lying. We're just taking scripture out of context because you're preaching something that has never been my reality. I'm not scared to address this issue. I'm not scared to address the hard topics. Jerry's not scared of it. Why? Because Jerry's not trying to be liked. <laughs> I learned four years ago that desired likes limits obedience. Desired likes limits obedience. That's for somebody who's about to do something. If you desire likes, you're going to constantly be placed in a position where you have to choose between pleasing men and growing your platform or pleasing God and giving him glory. And I just arrived to the place when I give him glory, God pleases me. Ah, and you wonder why don't I have this peace? It's because you can't get the promises the Bible speaks about if you're not willing to be the Christ follower the Bible speaks about. And so many people, so many people want narrow way blessings while shacking with Broadway patterns. Did y'all hear what I just said? We want narrow way blessings while shacking with Broadway patterns. And God is saying some stuff is reserved for the on fire only. You are lukewarm and what, what I got for the on fire. This is for people who are on fire. You could only get this when you have made up your mind and you have drawn a line of demarcation in the sand and you have said, I'm sold out for Jesus. Am I perfect? No. But to the best of my capability, I'm going to strive to give you glory. Because giving God glory is also a form of soul care. Can I get somebody to drop in the room? Soul care. Soul care. When is the last time your soul has gone to the doctor? And this, this conversation that we're having on tonight is powerful. And it just doesn't hit you. It affects me too. <laughs> the Bible is a double-edged sword. It means it cuts those who are giving it and cuts those who are reading it. <laughs> listen, listen. You probably haven't understood this, but I can't come before you twice a week and deliver sound biblical teaching that provides healing in your soul and mine is unhealthy? I have to first practice this myself because the state of the heart bleeds over into how you interpret scripture. Did y'all hear me? The state of the heart bleeds over in how you interpret scripture, which is how we have leaders of the Ku Klux Klan who are praying together and will use and quote scripture as an endorsement for their campaign because the state of the heart bleeds over into our interpret scripture. Which is how we have people who don't care about people. You just want money. And so you're a businessman with a bishop's collar and you keep on taking scripture out of context to manipulate people because the state of your heart, the state of your heart bleeds over in how you interpret scripture. And I wonder, 
I wonder, has this pandemic exposed that we've had a lot of churches who are building campuses, but they weren't building people? And now, when you're in a crisis, I need some health in the area of my soul care. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that this is something that I have to practice too. Because bitter water and sweet water can't come from the same well. And I can't pray and expect God to use me so that you can have healing in your soul while mine is sick. God, I need you to create health in me so that I can produce health in others. Because if you hang around people who have the flu, most likely you won't catch it. <laughs> I need to be healthy in my soul. And I want to deliver a message where we have discernment where we can identify health without biting it. Because a lot of us, you can't identify if something is rotten until after you tasted it. What if I told you that peace affects pieces? <laughs> this is so good. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Peace affects pieces. If I don't have the peace of God in my life, it's going to affect pieces of my life it's going to affect my fatherhood it's going to affect the way I husband it's going to affect the way I lead it's going to affect the way I teach it's going to affect the way I'm with my brothers it's going to affect the way I am with my children my wife because there's something in me lacking peace affects pieces let me get it like this so note takers can write it down when peace vacates pieces relocate when peace vacates, pieces relocate. Pieces of your heart moves when the peace of God moves. Pieces of your mind move when the peace of God moves. So let's say this right here is peace. I want the peace of God. Move this out the way where you can see it. I want the peace of God in my life. You got to understand peace affects pieces. So if I make decisions that aren't conducive or protecting the peace of God, every time I move in this direction, they follow with me. Anytime I move over here, they're following with me. And you wonder why your life looks like it's rubble. Why your life looks like aftermath. It's because I haven't recognized the peace of God is connected to every other peace in my life. You wonder why you can't sleep. Could it be due to an absence of the peace of God? You wonder why you don't like what you see in the mirror. Could it be due to an absence of the peace of God? Because when it moves, they move just like that. <laughs> Simple, but I want you to visually get it. Peace off in this area throws off every area. Every area. See, see, listen, listen. There is a difference between health and wellness. There's a difference between health and wellness. Health is your ability to identify something that is good for you. So you can look and say asparagus is healthy. Kale is healthy. Wellness is health and implementation. So it's one thing just to know asparagus is good for you. That's being able to identify health. Wellness is when I'm eating asparagus and kale. And a lot of us wonder why we know so much Bible, but we're not experiencing the blessings of the Bible in our life. It's because you're just able to quote healthy things. Oh, asparagus, kale, broccoli. But do you actually consume 
the healthy things. That's the difference between health and wellness. A lot of us know what's healthy, but we won't consume what's healthy. Jesus puts it this way right in the middle of his message. I think Jesus is so cold for this. In Luke chapter 11, verse 27, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Verse 28, he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. I'm like, Jesus? <laughs> That's like me preaching, right? And people in the sanctuary are like, Preach, Jerry. It's better for you to apply what I preach. <laughs> That's the type of savior you served. I just imagine this woman just happy, just how to, just you are blessed. He's like, don't worry about my mama right now. Right now you need to hear what I'm saying and apply it. My mama, we good. We cool. We're going to have some broiled fish after this and some lamb. We cool. We're going to have our 11 bread. Stop worrying about my mama. She's blessed. I need you to worry about this word I'm giving, and I need you to apply the word to your life. This is why you know healthy things, but you're not experiencing health in your life. <laughs> This is the nature of your Savior. What and when is the last time your soul went to the doctor? We can't have an honest and open discussion about soul care without first presenting you to the reality that there are things that are hazardous for your soul. If I can't identify what's hazardous, I won't be able to properly take care of my soul. So let's break down some hazardous material. Number one, Secondhand smoke relationships. <laughs> Secondhand smoke relationships. That is hazardous material to your growth. Why? You're not doing it. They're the ones smoking it, but you're picking up the fragrance. You just hanging with them is affecting your heart. Just like you just hanging with them is also affecting your lungs. And it's actually more toxic what's blowing out of their mouth than if you actually want to smoke it. Secondhand smoke relationships. This is probably a reason why there's so much turmoil in your soul because I'm hanging out with people who keep providing me with secondhand smoke. And God always has a way when he wants to level you up, he always causes for you to have a season of separation. This is why sometimes loneliness causes for us to miss out on the surgical operation that God is actually trying to do in your life. You keep on crying out, I'm so alone. God's like, you're not alone. You're separated. The word holy means to be separate. You're separated for two reasons. Number one, I'm equipping you with the tools necessary for your assignment. And if you could stop looking at what they have and what they're doing, and if you could just focus on what I'm trying to do in your life, if you could just allow me to be your master physician for this season, I'm trying to give you the health that you need for your assignment. God separates because he equips us for our assignment. And number two, God separates us so that he could make us unrecognizable to the people who only knew us by our wound. So good, y'all. Secondhand smoke relationships. Number two, a soul hazard, unguarded gates. Unguarded gates. There are two gates that affect your heart, your eye gate and your ear gate. Of course, you're going to struggle with your lust if porn keeps coming through your ear, eye gate. Of course, you're going to struggle with your lust if sensual music keeps coming through your ear gate. No wonder you can't stop cursing people out. Somebody watching this message is like, man, I don't know why I just could just keep cursing people out. Just somebody come to me some type of way. Bleep, bleep, bleep. You just curse people out on your playlist. You paying $9.99 to get cursed out. You paying to get cursed out. <laughs> That's some perspective for you. I'm paying to get cursed out. 
So all day long, I'm listening to my beep, 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 and you're just rocking out somebody. It's the beat. No, but it's, it's getting in your soul so that when you get scared, when you get angry, when you get frightened, it comes back up. I have to watch my gates, my eye gate, my ear gate. Number three, a third soul hazard is continued exhaustion. I said it this so many times. If I don't get the ample amount of rest that I need, I get sick. The enemy understands I can't always take their faith. But if I can give them exhausted faith, they'll have faith with the cold. I want them to have, I want them to be saved and sealed, but emotionally sick. Emotionally sick. Infected with emotional influenza. Because if I can't take you out, I'm going to try to wear you out. Number four, one that might be a curveball for you, but a soul hazard is speed. Let me give you a shocking revelation. <laughs> if you haven't learned this, I'm going to teach it to you. God is never in a rush. He's not. You are going to get frustrated. I'm telling you, God is never in a hurry. Oh, we got to hurry him do this. We got to hurry this. He's never in a hurry. Hell loves when we're ignorant and impulsive. Because when we're ignorant, this means we lack the knowledge. When we're impulsive, I got to hurry up and do it. I got to hurry up and do it. I got to hurry up and do it. This is something my father taught me. He said, listen, we were looking for a car before I got married. And this guy was, man, this is the last one on the lot. You, you got to hurry up. You got to hurry I got four other people looking at you. You got to hurry up. You gotta. He said, don't ever let a salesman rush you. Don't ever let a salesman rush you because sometimes they really want to sell this car, but there's a car that's better than that, that has less miles than that. If you're getting a pre-owned car, don't allow them to rush you. Take your time. Take your time. And when we miss this, we'll miss the fact that what God does in us while we wait is more important than what we're waiting for. God is never in a rush. So if you're in a rush, it's a higher possibility you miss his voice because he doesn't go with speed. Okay? Five, another soul hazard, easily offended. Listen, I just talked about this on Thursday. One of the ways that God washes us is by conviction. And if nobody can correct you, you're never going to be able to experience health in your soul, which is why you keep on staying in the shallow end. What's wrong with going in the deep end? Like, oh, you deep, you deep. What's wrong with being deep? Maybe God is trying to call you to deep water so that you can stop being impressed by shallow conversations. <laughs> I need some depth. Sixth soul hazard, minimal intimacy. That's hazardous for my soul. Please hear me. Somebody else's transformation is tied to your evolution. Somebody else's transformation is tied to your evolution. You're looking at proof of that statement. Back in 2015, I had like 60 or 70 sermons just in my phone. Not preaching them, just studying. I don't even know why I'm studying. I don't. I have all these messages, all these scriptures. I'm just studying. I had no idea. Five years later, you're going to wish you studied more. <laughs> God has a way of preparing you out of season for a season. He prepares you out of season for a season so your intimacy with him, like Daniel, matters. This is a pattern that Daniel had in his early days. So when he heard the bad news and the plan, he didn't start tripping. I don't have to develop a prayer life. I already had one. Next soul hazard untreated pain 
untreated pain is mold on the heart. Nobody could glean from this, and the longer you allow it to sit there, the more it's going to mold in other areas. See, there are several definitions and descriptors that we could use to articulate who our God is. You could call him a savior, a way maker, redeemer. We will be up here all night trying to talk about all the things God is and who he is and what he's done, which is why he says, I am, because you can't confine me to just an am. I am this, I am that, and I was this, and I'm going to be that all at the same time. He just operates with an eternal isness. We can't just confine who he is. But there's a particular is that God reminded me as I was studying for this message that I never viewed God as this. He said, Jerry, I'm also your janitor. I clean up messes you made. Somebody right there should be giving God a praise that God is not scared of your mess. I've never seen a mess too messy for me to clean up. I've told you before, he just turns mess into messengers. He's called the Messiah. He's man enough to step in your situation, but then he's God enough at the same time to bring you out. I help clean up things that other people have done in your life. No, it may not have been your fault, but I'm your spiritual janitor as well. So good. What is the soul? The soul, soul in the Greek is the word psyche. It's where we get the word psychology. So your soul is your psychological, your emotional self that contains your will, your imaginations, your cravings, your desires. Now, what is care? Care is necessary provisions in the area of your health welfare, maintenance, and protection. So put it together. What is soul care? It is when I make necessary provisions for the area of health in my psychological, my emotional, my mental, my desires, my cravings. This helps the welfare of my soul and helps me maintain spiritual soundness. That's what it means to have soul care. So powerful. Like I was taught in part one of this series, we, we don't just come into this world knowing how to do things. If you want to be a doctor, you go to med school. If you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school. But where do you go if you need education of the heart? This type of teaching, I wish I had. It will help you. So now, before you enter into a relational context, you don't just enter into it because they're cute and I like them. We've known each other. Now you can consider, do, do they provide hazardous material to my soul? I need to see if this is hazardous to my soul. It's not about my biological clock ticking. It's not about them being cute. It's do they provide health? Do they provide welfare and maintenance in the area of my soul? I don't just join a church because the pastor is popular and my friends tell me to go there. I need to see is this house, is this spiritual place a place that provides me with the necessary provisions for health in my soul, for health in my spirit? Because that's how I identify soul care. This is so powerful. So now before I make decisions. I could go back and ask myself, before I do this, I need to see, is this healthy for my soul? Is, is this healthy for my soul? And I believe Daniel had this outlook and he had this posture that I need to pray because I don't know what's going to happen. Anybody, I'm just praying I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm also praying because I just want to stay close to you. Because if me and you are good, I'm good. 
Brinks can't give me that. A dog can't give me that. A nine millimeter can't give me that. A security system can't give me that. I'm going to pray because I love you and I worship you. But we're intimate so that if anything ever happens, I already know you got me because we've been communicating since the early days. Soul care. I don't have to formulate a spiritual pattern. I had one. (laughs) I had one. And when you have this awareness and this biblical education of soul care, like I stated before, you could identify sticks from branches. It is God's will that you and I bear fruit. John chapter 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Time is your friend. Time reveals branches from sticks. (laughs) Because the more time I have with this individual, I'm going to see fruit or I'm going to see withering. God, this is so good, y'all. This is so good. We're going to continue Soul Care 102 on Thursday, but I want to tell you a few things, and I'm done. First thing, when you understand this reality that I have to exercise soul care, this strengthens your ability to say no. And it could be for a good thing. Hey, you know, 2021 is coming up, and we just want to know if uh, you you want to be over uh, our woman's ministry. Now, I can step back. I'm going to get back to you on that. I can step back. I can look at the current state of my life. And I can say, okay, I'm barely managing this. I'm barely managing that. I'm barely managing this. I'm barely, I need to get this under control. You know what? Right now, that's not something I could do. I will want to do it later, but right now, I'm still trying to get it managed on my mind, my marriage. And this is, this is more important for my soul. Now, look, what you have to do is make sure never to let people who live on fumes make you feel bad because you want to live with a full tank. Well, I do this. I do that. Why can't you? I can't. You have decided to live on fumes. That's your choice. But I understand that soul care is being able to recognize just because it's a problem, that does not mean it's my responsibility. I'm trying to help you. There are problems, and if you try to solve every problem, you will live on E, and you'll give every part of your life fumes. You'll give your marriage fumes. You'll give prayer life fumes. You'll give your devotion fumes. You'll give worship fumes because you've allowed somebody who lives on fumes to make you feel bad because you want to fill tank. (laughs) Number one, when it comes to soul care, you have to eat first. This, This is something that God convicted me on that I've shared with you before. I used to study many times to preach, not study to feast. And God convicted me and said, listen, you are confusing your sample of the meal as your meal. This is how you fall to porn. This is how ministers fall to adultery. This is how ministers fall to suicide because you got everybody captivated with your gift and you're giving them bread, but you're not eating it. You're not eating it. I need you. I need you to be able to identify junk food from soul food. Soul food is going to help you grow. Number two, how we have health in our soul care is you have to understand what fights are necessary. What fights are necessary? I just had this conversation with my wife. I was like, I have a lot of fights before me and I have to identify what fight right now requires my undivided attention. Because if I'm trying to fight everything, one of the fights are going to knock me out. 
So I have to identify, okay, you always going to fight for your marriage. You always going to fight for your holiness. You always going to fight for your family. But other fights, they're not necessary right now. And being able to understand that every problem is not my responsibility. It's not. The reason a lot of us keep taking L's is because you're fighting fights that matter to you, but they don't matter to God. You fighting to grow your platform, God's like, that don't matter to me. We don't talk now. <laughs> we don't talk. I would just be underlining your idolatry to do this. We, we, don't, we don't talk now. You fighting to get people to notice you, I notice you. Until me knowing you is enough, why would I make you be well-known? You being known by me is the ultimate well-known. So you're going to take an L in that area because that fight don't matter to me. But if you can learn to fight the things that matter to God, that's how you get victory in your fights. Okay? Number three, ending with this. Thursday, we'll talk more on Soul Care 102. You have to learn to rest. You have to learn to rest. If 2020 has taught me anything, is you are best and you at your highest peak when you are rested. Don't let this society, oh, you got to do this. You... Get your ample amount of rest. Recover so that you can be refreshed. So that I'm not going before Goliath exhausted. The enemy will always make sure, please hear me, that weakness and opportunity will meet. He will make sure that your weakness and your opportunity will meet. And if you live on fumes, most likely when your weakness meets that opportunity, you'll give in to the temptation. So God, would, would you help us to discover winning within is more important than winning likes of the world. Help me to understand that the peace of God that you promised to give me is tied to me following the principles of God. I want your promises to be my reality, God, and I ask that you give me patience. Help me protect my soul and my heart because out of it flows the issues of life. And I thank you, God, for being our janitor, our way maker, our provider, for constantly cleaning us up. But give us the wisdom so that we could know when something is hazardous to our growth so we don't have to spend a season in recovery unnecessarily. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.